0: Earlier today, we had our legal correspondent, Amy, join us during the lunch break to tell us all about the opening statements for the Lori Vallow Daybell trial. And now we meet again to hear about what all went down during the second half of trial today. Okay. So after lunch, the state called their first witness. Give us the rundown.
1: So the state's first witness that they called was Kay Woodcock. (laughs) Kay is JJ's parental grandmother and Charles's brother. So for explanation of that family dynamic, Kay is Charles' sister. Kay's son is Todd. Todd would be Charles's nephew. Todd was JJ's dad. So before Charles adopted JJ, he would have been JJ's great uncle. So if that makes sense.
0: That makes sense.
1: So an interesting fact that came out today in court that I don't think many people knew, I didn't know, was that JJ was actually not born to the name JJ. The name he was given at birth was Canaan. I think that's how you pronounce it, which is ironically a biblical name. His name wasn't changed until Chad Lori adopted him. That was revealed today when the state presented into evidence a birth certificate for Canaan, Canaan's adoption decree, and Canon's new birth certificate filed under the name Joshua Jackson, which we know as J.J., when Charles and Lori adopted J.J. When J.J. was born, Kay's son, Todd, was unable to care for him. Later in Kay's testimony, she described her concern for J.J.'s whereabouts since she had been having a difficult time contacting Lori. She described finding Amazon purchase confirmations in charles email which she had access to that were made after his death on october 2nd 2019 these purchases included a wedding dress men's beach clothing bathing suits and wedding rings made of malachite
0: okay wait she ordered her new wedding dress as well as the wedding bands on amazon yes ma'am oh my god okay continue they were getting ready to go to hawaii it's the audacity for (laughs) me
1: but you know she noted that when she saw the, the date of October 2nd for these purchases, she noticed that Tammy wasn't even gone by those dates, that that order was made, because Tammy didn't, didn't hadn't died until the 19th of October 2019. And these purchases were made October 2nd of 2019.
0: So she made these purchases weeks in advance of Tammy Daybell's death? Yes. Okay.
1: So she ended her testimony by explaining to the defense... They had always wanted to adopt JJ and that they could have provided for him. But JJ had special needs, as we all know, and they don't have any special needs schools in their area. And she made a comment. She felt that Charles, even though he was five years older than Kay, he was better fit to raise JJ. I think she made the comment that he would like run circles around her. So just for them, they thought it was the better fit. You know, they thought Lori was a wonderful mother and Charles and Lori always wanted to have their own kids together and didn't have kids. They each had separate kids. Charles had two kids and Lori had two kids separate from each other.
0: Did she mention anything about behaviors or just anything that was going on that made her a little nervous or anxious or concerned in the days, weeks, and months leading up to J.J. going missing and ultimately his homicide?
1: She did. She, she'd she said previous times that she would talk to J.J., and she communicated with J.J. all the time. And when she would call J.J. over FaceTime or call Lori to connect to J.J., he always carried around a device, a tablet, and he would be, you know, walking around the house and playing with it and sort of being distracted. Up until the last few times that Kay would call JJ, then he began, the the calls changed. She described that someone was holding the device. There was someone holding the device for him, and the calls were very short. One of the last calls that she had with him, he got on and gave his greeting to them. I don't remember exactly what he called her, but, you know, hi, Nana, hi, Papa, whatever. He called them, and there was someone holding the iPad. And she could tell or the device she could tell he wasn't holding it he was very focused on just the screen and as soon as she said hi he said i gotta go
0: the state's first witness Kay, is also the beneficiary of charles life insurance policy and this is the same life insurance policy that Lori thought she was the beneficiary of but he had recently changed it to his sister and the sister is who received all the funds essentially
1: that is correct. He had came to Kay in the months prior to his death and told her that he was changing his life insurance policy over to her and that she was to use half of it to give to his divided between his two children, I believe, and the, and the remaining half to be taken care of J.J. with. That did get mentioned today in court proceedings.
0: Okay, let's move on to witness two. Who was State's witness two? State's
1: witness two was Brandon Bordeaux I hope I'm saying that right so here's another family dynamic Brandon is Melody Bordeaux's ex-husband Melanie Bordeaux is Lori Valu's niece Melanie and to just clarify a little bit Melanie looked at Lori more than an aunt she really looked up to her she idolized her
0: so they were very close Lori and her niece were extremely close
1: They were very close, and Brandon explained how he and Melanie would spend a lot of time with Lori and Charles. He started by explaining how much Melanie had changed once she started attending what Melanie called Firesides, which turns out to be a part of Chad and Lori's new extension to their religion, although it's not officially connected to the Church of Latter-day Saints, they were making an extension of that religion. She eventually started making false accusations against Brandon. She accused him of, quote, being a homosexual. They eventually filed for divorce, and those divorce proceedings started around July of 2019. After that date, Brandon described a shooting incident that happened on October 2nd. When that was mentioned, the defense objected, stating that, quote, it has nothing to do with the case at hand. And the state turned around and argued that the shooting was basically what started law enforcement looking into JJ's whereabouts. And it is part of the whole story and the whole conspiracy. The state argued that the shooting is part of a bigger picture of the case. And the judge eventually overruled the objection. So Brandon continued with this story from October 2nd, 2019. He stated that he had taken his kids to school and he had came home from the gym and that someone was parked outside of his new home in front of his driveway in a jeep he had just moved to arizona he had only occupied that house for a few days not very many people knew that he even lived there i believe he said a handful of people someone in that jeep shot at him from the driver's side window Brandon stated that he saw the gun. He saw the gun and the silencer through the window of the Jeep. He was uninjured, but they shot out one of his windows in his car. He did report it to law enforcement, but nothing was done at the time. When he discovered that Tylee and JJ were missing, he became really concerned. He said that he began making Google searches for Chad Daybill and found Tammy Daybill's obituary and that made him really concerned. It was at that time, I think that he said that he, he kind of put it together that Tylee actually had a Jeep that matched the description of the one that the shooter at his house was driving. Something I forgot to mention, when the shooting happened, he began to follow the Jeep and he called 911 and the 911 operator told him that was a bad idea. So he stopped the pursuit. He did. He was unable to get a license plate number. Ironically, Charles had previously given Brandon the VIN number for him to look up auto insurance rates. So he was able to get that VIN number out of, he wasn't sure if it was a message or an email, but he was able to give that to law enforcement to look up. And during today's proceeding, they didn't come to any conclusion like that VIN number led anywhere, but he said that it was presented to law enforcement. One thing that I thought was super interesting today during brandon's testimony was that during his discussion of the shooting incident when he was describing the jeep that shot at him he mentioned that there was a missing tire on the back of it that mention of the jeep not having a tire reminded me of a surveillance video that shows what appears to be chad and it was most certainly Lori rolling a spare tire into a storage unit
0: oh that's a great point that is a great catch so, the surveillance camera footage shows what appears to be Chad and definitely what appears to be Lori rolling a tire into the storage unit a month after Tylee hadn't been seen, and around the time that Brandon was shot at by a Jeep that allegedly didn't have a tire on the back of it. That's a good catch. Yes.
1: That matches the description of Tylee's. This witness was released and he won't be recalled to testify. So he's done as a witness.
0: So they only had two witnesses today. The state only called two witnesses today. Kay, which was Charles' sister and the paternal grandmother of JJ, and Brandon, which is the ex-husband of Lori Bella's niece. That's correct. Okay, so who is going to be the state's third witness who kicks off day two of trial.
1: Detective Ray Hermosillo from the Rexburg Police Department will be the state's third witness but the first first witness for tomorrow.
0: So he will be kicking y'all off tomorrow with hopefully some more details on the case and since it's already past 11 and you have to get up at the ass crack of dawn to cover this again and then let me bug the shit out of you at lunch, I guess I should probably let you go. So we'll end on this note. Thanks, Sojo. I'll talk to you tomorrow. We will see you tomorrow at lunch.